Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast from San Jacinto Assembly of God in Amarillo, Texas. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit us online at www.sjag.church. Now here's this week's message. In this passage of Scripture, these two quickly shared with the Lord. They said, are you a stranger? You do not know anything that's been happening in the last few days. And these two quickly shared what had been happening all the way up to that very moment to when they found this stranger walking next to them. Little did they know that it was Christ that actually was walking next to them. How many would like to have the Lord just walk right next to your side? And, and But you know, sometimes we don't know Him because we haven't took the opportunity. And this is where Jesus was walking on that road to Emmaus with them. And they start to speak of the story and all the things that have happened. If you can imagine yourself living back then 2,000 years ago, this was the, the buzz thing that was going on. The, the death, the resurrection, the crucifixion. All these things were happening. And so it had to be the main story. So it kind of baffled them that he did not understand. He did not see. He did not, they did, he didn't know exactly what happened. So they start to explain to him. And I think it's kind of ironic in it. They're explaining to Jesus what he did. And so it was kind of interesting that they would do something like that. And so they start to tell the story. And the story that they told was literally now 2,000 years ago. Just almost 2,000 years ago. But isn't it amazing? It is still being told today. Still being told today. You know, you talk to people about Elvis and, and our younger folks don't even know who he is. Right, I find that self, I teach a younger Sunday school class, and I'll, I, I brought up Carmen this morning. The only reason they knew who Carmen was is because their daddy loved him. And so it's that, that thing in our life that we forget. But isn't it amazing that Jesus Christ is still talked about? Amen. The story of Christ is still there. And that's not by accident. It's because there's power in the story of Jesus. Amen. There's power in the story. And as they shared with the Lord on the road, I'm going to share this morning. You know, the other day I was watching Blue Blood. And they had been trying to find a 1968 GT Mustang fastback that Steve McQueen had driven in the movie called Bullet. And they, they were trying to find it because it had been stolen and they were trying to find it. Well, come to find out it was really a fake car that they were looking for. But at the end of the movie, they got to go, uh, Frank and all his boys got to go see the real 1968 Mustang. Now, I don't know if it's true or not because it was movies, but it was on the show. But they just sat there and they, they, they just like set it all at this car and, you know, a Mustang and they, you'd almost see them just drooling down the side of their faces. They looked at that car and they, they started telling stories of how they remember Steve McQueen riding in that and all the reminiscing that was taking place. And they had the opportunity to have a picture with that car. And even though the car was empty, they still told the story and were remembering what was taking place that day. Let me ask you this morning, how many times have we entered into a famous building or maybe even a house? I remember going to Graceland and, and walking in and all I could smell was peanut butter and bananas. No, just kidding. 
I remember walking in there and you think, well, this is where the king lived, the king of rock and roll. But, you know, that's all you could feel was or know is that that's what's happening. And, and all of us have those moments in our life or a city or a location that we go to and we reminisce about what had happened in those particular places. Even though the voices are no longer heard and the battle is over and the people are long since gone. All of us are that way when it comes to reminiscing many times. We do that with our family, do it with where maybe we were raised and maybe our grandparents' house. But that's just the way life is. This morning, I want to take us on a journey past the emptiness of Easter to discover the fullness of the message of Easter. That emptiness. And the first thing I want to speak of this morning is really quite popular among us, and that is the empty cross. You see them on our necks. You see them in different places, the empty cross. And, and what does it speak of? The first thing I want to talk about the empty cross is it, it, it speaks of paid in full. When we think about the cross of Calvary, even though it's empty, it says paid in full. You know, those words to me bring great joy when you see them stamped on a promissory note. I mean, you know what I'm talking about this morning? Just the, I think it was last year, Robin and I got to see those, those that stamped on our house deed, or our house notes as paid in full. That felt good. I thought I was going to have tons of money. I still have about the same amount. I didn't figure that one out, but it just felt good to see that. I, I've had notes over vehicles and different things, and I, I, I don't throw them away. I got them. It says paid in full. It gives you such a, a good feeling to have that when you work hard for something and, and you get to enjoy that. Whether it's a car or a house, it brings relief in your life when you see those words paid in full. When I look at the empty cross, I not only think of Jesus who died upon the cross of Calvary, but I also think of the words paid in full. Paid in full. Listen to what Christ said to John in the book of John. It says in John chapter 19, verse 30, so when Jesus has received the sour wine, He said, it is finished. And bowing His head, He gave up His Spirit. Upon the cross of Calvary, He breathed His last breath and He says, it is finished. Now it's not like some preacher you may find out today that say this is my last concluding thought and, and go on to several more. But I'm saying today when Jesus said it is finished, He had a statement that spoke powerfully. He had a, a, a statement that says, I've, I've done what I'm supposed to do. I've came and, done, and, and accomplished the reason I, I was sit on earth. And He says, it is finished. So what did He mean by it is finished? Did you know there's always a process in order to in, in order to accomplish, to, the, to finish something. Unless you start it, it won't get finished. Amen? Some of you employers have told your employees that. Or maybe some of your parents have told your kids that. 1 John 3.8 says this, He who sins is of the devil, and for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God has manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. Come on, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. 
I'm going to tell you the devil is still active today, but listen, his power has been stripped and what he has done has been conquered by Jesus Christ. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. The enemy came to steal, kill, and, and destroy. But I'm saying today, Jesus came to overcome and defeat His works. This all started in the Garden of Eden when He lured Adam and Eve to sin against God and therefore indebting them and all mankind to be born into sin and suffer punishment and death with no way to pay. It all started then, 6,000 years ago, in the Garden of Eden. But then came Jesus to pay a debt that He did not owe. And we owed a debt that we could not pay. This is what the cross is all about. This is what it means when He says it is finished. I thank God for what He did. Having not been born into sin and living sinless for over 33 years, He became the only one that could pay our debt and defeat the works of the devil. That's what's special about our Lord and Savior. Is that He was able to bear our sins. I, I seen the other day, He bore more than just the cross, but He bore our sins also upon His back. Isaiah 53 best describes it like this. Isaiah 53, verses 4-5, through Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes we are healed. 53.12 says this, Therefore I will divide Him a portion with the great, and He shall divide the spoil with the strong because He poured out His soul unto death and He was numbered with the transgressions and He bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressions. Hallelujah. I thank God. The whole process, remember there's a process to the finish and the process that had to take place that Jesus had to take stripes upon His back. He had to be beaten for you and me. It should have been me, Billy Snyder, being beaten that day. I should have had my back, the flesh off my back ripped off. But Jesus chose to die for me. There's a process when He says it is finished. He says, I have done all that needs to be done. I have walked the course. And as Paul would say, I have finished the race. Jesus did everything that was required, everything that was needed for Him to be able to carry our sin and die for us. You know, as Christians, we use the words atonement or propitiation, which means payment has been made. We use it all the time, and the only one that was able to do that was Jesus Christ Himself. Listen to the results of that very thing that happened upon the cross of Calvary. How many of you love it when you hear the enemy, the devil's been kicked around a little bit? I love to see and I love to hear when the enemy gets what's coming to him. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He is made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements 
that was against us, which are contrary to us, and He is taking it out of the way and having nailed it to the cross. What does that say? Let me just break that down in English this morning and, and, and let, let you understand what's being said. He took my sin. He took David's sin. He took all of our sin that each one of us was born into. And He says, I'm going to do what is required for you and I'm going to take your sin and I'm going to nail it up on the cross and giving you the opportunity to have life and have life abundantly. I don't know about you, but you all are kind of quiet this morning. But I'm going to tell you, I feel like shouting a little bit when I think about what Jesus did for me and took my sin away and gave me opportunity to have life for eternity. Hallelujah! That's our Lord and that's our God. That is who died for us and He has given us. He's taken every sin and He paid the price for them. So we can say paid in full. I'm going to tell you, you can't pay the debt. I can't pay the debt. You know, in my life, I've been really careful Try not to go into debt that I can't take care of. I figure as Christians, if we go into debt, we are to pay our bills. Got this side over here said, Amen. You guys. I figure that's the responsibility of Christians. So I try to regulate that. But you know, I was born with this one thing. It's called sin. And there's nothing I could do. I could not pay that. I could not pay the debt. And there's many people in all of these religions, but yet they don't have a, a way of paying debt. Your good works, the Bible says our good works doesn't do it. It's only by grace that we're saved through faith. That's the only way that our sin can be paid for. Is that we receive what was taken place, or what took place upon the cross of Calvary. No other way. So when I see the empty cross, it's, in, I'm going to tell you, this morning, wouldn't it? How many, if someone walked up to you and said, I'm going to pay your house off this morning, you say, no, I'm going to go my own way. You, you keep it, and you say, well, I pay, well, I'm not going to receive it. I'll guarantee you, you would probably receive it, especially if you just financed it, right? You would take that payment. And what's sad about mankind today is that they don't realize the price for their sin, what they could never pay, has now been placed upon the cross of Calvary and Jesus has paid it in full. Hallelujah! It's sitting there ready for the payment to be received. My friend, there's many people busting open hell because they said, I do not want to let you pay for my debt. And that's the saddest thing. Is when we think about what Jesus did. He didn't just die for, for the, the rich or the, the poor or the, the black or the white or the brown, but He died for every individual. He died for the Muslim just as much as He died for you and me. And I'm going to tell you today, that's the only way that people can come into heaven is through what took place upon the cross of Calvary. Unless we receive it, there's no way to have it. And it's sad. But the cross says paid in full. The power is in the message of the cross, not the empty cross. Come on, I've watched, used to, back before I got saved, I watched vampire movies and, and they would just put the cross over there like the cross was doing it. The cross is nothing. It's the message of the cross. That power, the message of the cross brings the, the healing. In, in, in John chapter 19.38 says, After Joseph of Arimathea 
being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he gave and took the body. At that very moment, after Jesus breathed His last breath, they wanted the body gone before the day of preparation was to start for, for the Sabbath and for the, for the Passover. They wanted the body down. And so Joseph asked for that body. And at that moment, listen, at that very moment, the cross became empty. It became empty at that moment. I have a hard time with crosses that still have Jesus on the cross because at that very moment, Jesus left the cross. The message was the price has been paid. It's been paid in full. And He left the cross that day never to be occupied by Jesus again. And He had served its purpose. And the message is what we look at when we see the empty cross. Jesus paid it in full. Hallelujah. Paid everything in full. That's the message that the empty cross speaks of today. Let me look at the next emptiness of Easter. The empty tomb. We all know today we celebrate the tomb is empty because He is risen. Amen? I said He is risen. Amen. He is risen and we look at the empty tomb. They laid Jesus in the tomb on Friday before the Sabbath began. Friday ending at evening time. You say, how was He in the grave? Three days. They laid Him into the tomb on Friday. Saturday, the Sabbath started that evening. And He stayed in the in the tomb all day Saturday that evening. And then He comes out the next on the third day. We call it Sunday in our, in our language. And He came out on that third day on Easter morning. He was there. So He was in the tomb for three days. But on that third day, hallelujah, up from the tomb, He arose. Amen? Up from the grave He arose on that third day. Praise God. Matthew puts it like this when the women went to find Jesus in the tomb in Matthew 28, 5 and 6. It says, But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for He is risen. As He said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay." Come see the place where the Lord has raised. He said, He is not here because He is risen. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, it wasn't some rabbit that was risen. Oh, don't meddle. Okay. I was thinking we should cook the rabbit on Easter and, and fry the eggs. But <laughs> because it's about the Lord. Amen? It's about Jesus in the empty tomb that He is risen. Uh, a, a few years back, I got to go to Israel. What a wonderful trip. I enjoyed that so much. And, and we got to go to the tomb where they say Jesus was placed and, 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 and had the stone that was kind of rolled to the side. And, 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 and for a short guy, I had to go down like this. It felt good to have to stoop over a little bit. And I went into that tomb and there was nothing in the tomb. Let me say it again. There was nothing in the tomb. I mean, you know, you can go to Buddha's tomb and you can go to Muhammad's tomb and there's still the dried up bones. But today, there's no bones. There's nothing that would say that Jesus remained in the tomb. The Bible says, hallelujah, He was risen. Hallelujah. He came up out of the grave. Praise God today. But I thought to myself, like I said, reminiscing, I thought what it would have felt like 2,000 years ago 
to hear the shaking of the earthquake, the rumbling of the sound, and maybe to hear the Holy Spirit going into that body. And then hear the body come back to life straight out of the bandages. The bandages laid exactly where they were wrapped. And Jesus came back to life. It sounds like some Hollywood movie, but this was real. It's reality. I thought what that must have felt like. Because I went to Golgotha Hill also and didn't find Him on the cross. I went to the tomb. I didn't find Him. But the message was speaking loud and clear. I'm going to tell you, I didn't have to find the tomb empty for me to believe. I believe because I heard the message that I'm saying today. I've heard the story of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. I've heard how they placed Him on the grave on that day, on that Friday. And I've heard on that third day as the Roman soldiers were sitting there and they were guarding the, the tomb that had been sealed so tight that nobody could come and rob the grave. How they had to make up a story saying that someone came and robbed even though the Lord Himself brought forth an earthquake and opened the tomb. Why open it up? It didn't have to be opened. He could have came right through it. But He opened it up so people could look in like Billy Snyder did that day in Israel and said, He's gone. Hallelujah. There's no body there. My Savior lives today. He is resurrected. Praise the Lord. I'm going to tell you, we serve a resurrected King today. We don't serve somebody that's still dead in the body with just an ideal of theology. We serve someone that brings eternal life. Somebody that speaks the world of life. He said unto Martha, I am the life and the resurrection. If you believe in Me, hallelujah. I'm saying today, who we serve is real. Hallelujah. And His name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He is our King and is our Lord. Hallelujah. He is our God. We don't serve some made up religion by man, but we serve a way that has been brought forth by God Almighty who has provided the way. By Him, we serve today. The emptiness of the tomb speaks of a conqueror. When we look at the, the tomb that is empty, it speaks of a conqueror. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10 says, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel. Isaiah 25, 8 says, He will swallow up death forever. Listen to what it says. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all our faces. How many of you are ready to have tears wiped away from your faces? Hallelujah. The rebuke of His people He will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. Listen, I'm saying that there's, there's stuff out there that says He came and robbed the grave. He didn't rob the grave. He conquered the grave. Come on, He walked in and He came in and He says you have crucified an innocent man and I have the power and the authority. I will come out of this place because there's nothing you have that can hold me because I will be resurrected. Hallelujah! He conquered the grave. Come on, our, our Lord is not some weak uh, weak person. Matter of fact, when He comes back this second time, He's coming up on a white horse and it's going to say, King of kings and Lord of lords, He is the conquering King, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
He conquered the grave. He conquered the grave. I love what he said in Revelations chapter 118. He says, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive just for a season. No. He says, Behold, I am He that lived and was dead. But I am alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Forevermore. Praise God. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Could you imagine the Lord walking down and descending down and saying, give me the keys, you old slippery snake. Give me the keys, you old serpent, you dragon. And give me the keys, you that have lured many people to hell. Give me the keys that are keeping the people in paradise. Give me the keys of Hades and death. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. I'm speaking something that's all for all of us this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, I am alive. Death and the grave have been conquered, not robbed. Come on, our Lord didn't come in like some, somebody's breaking in the middle of the night into your house and taking your things. None of us like that. Amen. I've had churches broke into that I've pastored. I don't, like, I don't even like it when they come over and steal the light bulbs off the porches over there. I watch them on the camera. They just come up and unscrew them and take off with our light bulbs. I'm putting cheaper ones in. No more LEDs. They cost too much. Watch the guy go over there and rip off one whole light one night and come back two weeks later and took the other light. I don't like that. That doesn't bring any joy to anybody. I'm thinking I hope the light gets a hold of them. Not lightning. Light of gospel. But you don't go in, and Jesus didn't go in to rob the grave. He didn't have to sneak in behind the devil while he wasn't paying attention, maybe while the devil sleeps. I don't know if he sleeps or not. But he didn't have to sneak in or go through a window or go through a back door. Jesus came in the front door and says, Give me the keys of Hades and death because I have conquered you. I was without sin, and you put me up on the cross of Calvary. Come on. You know, if you get a hold of that, it'll give you some power in your relationship with God. Because when we come against the enemy, we have the same power and authority that Christ has given unto us. The empty tomb proclaims victory for Jesus. And all that will believe in it, it speaks victory this morning. See, we're not celebrating that, that, that the tomb is occupied. We're celebrating the day that our Savior lives. Come on, that should make every Christian shout for joy. Amen? Our Savior lives. Our Savior lives. We should have sang up from the grave, He arose. Man. It's my fault. Oliver asked me. One last thought. about the emptiness of Easter and then I'm almost done. One emptiness leads to another. One emptiness leads to another. Paradise is empty today. 
Paradise is empty today because of what, take, what took place on, on Easter Sunday. When Christ died, He not only had to pay for your sin and my sin, but He also had to pray for Abraham, Moses, Isaac, all of them. They were, when they passed away, they went to a place called Paradise. And if you read the parable or the story about the rich man and Lazarus, you'll find that Paradise was in the center of the earth also and there's a big gap in between there. But Paradise emptied out that day because the Lord had to also pay for them. Even though they were so good, Abraham was called the father of faith. Moses, I heard, was the most humblest man there ever was. And if you read that, he wrote it. <laughs> but all of them required the same blood that you and I required. They required the same sacrifice that you and I required in order for our sins to be forgiven. They had to come through the blood of Jesus and they were on hold. They were in a waiting, uh, a waiting moment, a waiting time, waiting for Jesus to come. Could you imagine the joy they seen when they seen the bright light of the Son of God coming after He had been crucified for them and they got to leave paradise and go into heaven? I'm saying today because of the emptiness of Easter and the other things are, are, are the emptiness that will happen and paradise was empty. The next thing that I want to talk about this morning that because of what the emptiness of Easter is the very fact that there will be millions of graves will soon be soon be empty because of what took place on Easter. We talked about it in this Sunday school class this morning. I told the students, hey, you're going to listen to my sermon again because your, the lesson was basically, and I said, how many ways can you preach Easter? This is my 15th year to pre preach Easter here at San Jacinto. And I'm thinking, well, hey, the message is the message, right? And so this thing, the emptiness, when I'm thinking about emptiness, that there's going to be millions, that the Bible speaks of this in 1 Corinthians. It says we will all, Paul says, let me share a mystery. We will all, not, not all will sleep, but will be changed in a twinkle of an eye. And we shall come up out of the grave. Just because the emptiness of the cross and the emptiness of the tomb, we also are going to see emptiness of the grave. Oh, I'm going to tell you, every cemetery where they got Christians buried, there's going to be a rumbling that's going to take place. And there's going to be an opening of the ground and the saints of God hallelujah I said the saints of God are going to come out and they're going to meet Jesus in the air oh what a time that's going to be what will you look like I have no idea the Bible says this but when we see him we will be like him hallelujah the emptiness of Easter is going to cause us to empty the grave out my mama's going to come up out of that grave my daddy's going to come up out of that grave we got kinfolk that are going to come out why because the cross is empty and the tomb is empty we have an emptiness that's coming for the church of the living God. Hallelujah! That emptiness that God has brought through His Son that died for us on the cross of Calvary. That emptiness. I was telling Robin just the other day, and I'll tell, tell you again. I look around and see faces that are missing among us. Now this is a little different setting, but I could tell you where each one of them sat over in the other sanctuary. That's why you don't sit on other places. I've got such precious loved ones. Friends that got tucked into my heart. Man, I, I, I think about them all the time. I think about TJ. Hey man, I think about Bobby. I think about others that have gone off. See, that's the worst thing about pastoring is you get too close to people. But I'm going to tell you something. The circle will be completed. Amen.
How can I say that? How am I going to see Sid again? He's going to pass me some candy. How do I know that? It's because what Jesus did upon the cross. The cross is empty. The tomb is empty. And all their graves are going to be empty one of these days because what the Lord, hallelujah, has done. Hallelujah. He has set the way free. And they will come up out of that ground and they will have their new resurrection body. Because of Jesus Christ, my friend, we have that hope and that hope is alive and well today. Because of that. Hallelujah. Didn't mean to make you cry. That wasn't in my sermon. But I thank God for the hope I have. Because the emptiness of Easter. The emptiness of Easter. Pastor Oliver, if you'll come. So why did it all take place? Because of the emptiness of the soul. The emptiness of the soul. Every one of us had an issue. We had the sin issue, but also we had this emptiness about us. Every human being is born with this emptiness. They know and they feel the sense that they need to worship something. That's why you can go in the deep jungles and you'll find an idol put up. There's an emptiness that all of us are born with. And the only thing that can fill that emptiness... I've, I've, seen, I've seen men go from one toy to the other. You women should have said amen. I've seen them go from jet skis. I've seen them going from ATVs. I've seen them going from uh, the best couch they can buy and uh, or the biggest re- remote and, and all this stuff. And I had a man that did not know the Lord. He says, you know, I've, I've tried everything, Billy, but I just can't get that happiness in my soul. Something is missing. What do I call that? I call there's an emptiness in every human being. And that emptiness is because the Creator has designed everything, but He left out one little thing and it's called His presence in the midst of you. Called His Spirit dwelling in you. And you can try. Money doesn't buy it. There's no way you can buy it. Good works doesn't buy it. Nothing can buy that emptiness that you're feeling. The only thing that can buy that emptiness, the only thing that can bring that fulfillment is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing else can feel it. I thought I was happy until I got a hold of the Lord or until the Lord got a hold of me. And I'm going to tell you, I have never felt such peace and love in my life as the day when I got down on my knees and asked Jesus into my life and received Him as my Lord and Savior. I'd say today that emptiness that was within me got filled that day. Money wasn't my goal no more. Riches was not my goal anymore. Just to praise my Savior. We're all born with it. Just like we're all born into sin, we all have that emptiness that must be filled. And you can search the world over, my friend, and you're never going to find it. Something that will fill that. The only thing that's going to fill it is Jesus Christ. Nothing else. In Acts 4.10, there's a story about a, one of the first miracles the apostles did. man that was crippled. It says in Acts 4.10, it says, Let it be known to you, all and to all the people of Israel, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom 
you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By Him, this man stands before you. Notice, I love the word. It doesn't just say stands before you because of His legs are well. But the word says He stands before you because Jesus has made Him whole. Made Him whole. My friend, I'm going to tell you this morning, the only way you can be made whole is to get into a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's nothing else that's going to satisfy you. There's nothing else that's going to bring that. The Lord says He made Him whole. That means He forgave Him of His sins, that He came in and dwelled with Him. Yes, His body was walking now, but He was made completely whole through Jesus Christ. It's no good to walk through life with something missing and try to get that, that piece of the puzzle to fit in. The only thing, you know, I, I remember as a kid you tried to put the square thing in the square hole and all that. But the only thing that's going to fit into that spot is the name above all names. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Nothing else will fit in that spot, like Jesus Christ. I can tell you, you're going to feel the joy of your life. He's able to set you free. He's able to help you sleep at night. He's able to give you comfort in this, this, this world that we're living in today. So much chaos. He's able to bring that in. That peace. See, all of us was born with an emptiness and the only thing that can fill it is that that emptiness is Jesus Christ. John 11 says this, verses 25 and 26, He says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me, though he may die, he shall live. And whosoever lives and believes in Me shall never die. I'm going to ask you a question. It's in the verse. Do you believe this? Amen? Do you believe it this morning? Who said that? Jesus Christ. The very one right here. Every head bowed just for a moment. I want to ask you this morning, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, I presented to you this morning the fact that Jesus has died for your sin. Not only did He die for your sin, but He came up out of the grave and He's given us freedom from death. I want to ask you this morning, if you have that emptiness in your life, and you know right now you have that emptiness in your life, you feel it, you've been feeling it, you've been trying to do all kinds of other things to fulfill it in your life, but I'm asking you right now to be honest with yourself before God and, 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 and the Holy Spirit right now because He's speaking to you. How many would say, I need, I need Jesus right now to come and fill that emptiness in my life. I want Him as my Savior. Would you raise your hand this morning and say, that's me, Pastor. Who would say, I need, I need it. Amen. Anybody else this morning that would raise their hand and say, I want that peace. I'll tell you, it's the best thing that you've ever done in your life. You'll never do anything better than to receive Him. Life gets better because you have somebody to walk with you. And just like the two men on that road to Emmaus, He'll no longer be a stranger to you when that revelation comes.